You're listening to Adam AMD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. I was wondering if, like, last year we had a big thing about Paul McCartney being dead. Yeah. And I was wondering how much of it was planned and how much was planned by you. It had nothing to do with me. <laughs> the first, uh, there is a rumor that he is dead, actually, but the first I heard about it was in the press, you know, uh, or from those, I don't know how it happened. Okay, you remember when you were with the Beatles and you were supposed to be dead and uh, there's all these clues that like uh, you'd play some song Today on this episode say, like, Paul is dead and uh, everyone thought that you were dead or something Yeah uh, That was um, a hoax, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't really dead. Oh, shit. Right. What's up, guys? <laughs> well, I decided to go ahead and do this episode. I've been thinking about doing it for a while. Welcome to episode 251. I buried Paul. Is Paul McCartney really dead? Well, the rumor would have started before I was even born, but... My brother's going to get on the show with me today, and we're both from Akron, so we both know rock and roll. That's how that works, okay? <laughs> I say it on the show, I'm a hobbyist with music. My brother, he's the one that, he's a music fucking master. So superstar T Todd Brown will be joining us today. It is a weird fucking story, man. And, uh, you know, it's for younger people who may not have heard this before. And older people that have heard it. Yeah, good for you. Brought to you by some fucking... That's right. And, uh, well, we're just gonna go ahead and get this thing going. And at the end of the show, uh... I'll tell you a twisted story about my relationship with the Beatles a little bit. <laughs> anyway, they kind of scared me a little when I was a kid. But, you know, I thought they maybe were supposed to. And that was their style or whatever. Brought to you by a quarter jar of sativa. Here on the goat farm. On the 33rd degree parallel. You're listening to the radio friendly, friendly, Adamir MD GED. And this is Underground Cartoon Therapy. Dude. <laughs> Episode 251. We'll give some information at the end there where you can contact me and Grandma Gutterpunk. All right, stick the fuck around. Let's get this fucker rolling, huh? The first half of this show is brought to you by... This is the story of a tank truck express they call the Big O. She hauls Lawson's fresh-squeezed orange juice non-stop from Florida. Roll on, Big O. Get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. Now the orange is ripening in the Florida sun. 
sweet on the tree they stay. Then they pick them and they squeeze just as quick as you please. And the big old leaves the same day. Oh, big old, get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. Now one man sleeps while the other man drives on the non-stop Lawson run. And the cold, cold juice in the tank truck caboose stays as fresh as the Florida sun. Roll on, get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. Get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. Get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. Get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. And also brought to you by... There's a place where Christmas dreams come true. What? The Kmart Toy Store. Where the turnip seeds collection is on My mom fucking booked this on here. Mom, fucking Christmas. Which actually plays music. And so make the sewing machine that seems like the real thing. I got a feeling I'm gonna get something really good this Christmas. Oh my god, mom. We now return. Three. Three. All right, hold on. Might as well Oh, here it comes. You look hesitant to get to the <laughs> I'm telling you, a while, right? Apparently. Apparently, yeah. Uh, all right, well, welcome to the show. Arr. We got superstar Reverend Todd Brown. Hiya. What's up, dude? Wow. Well, just uh, survived a string of shows. I got one more, and then the Charleston County tour is off for a minute. <laughs> And we just saw GBH together. That we did. And what we're talking about GBH on a Beatles fucking show. <laughs> and, you know, hey. All right, we're, we're doing a Beatles show. Let's talk about GBH. Let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> the direct awesome connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How awesome they were. And oh, my God. Stand there arm in arm and very periodically look at each other in disbelief. Like, what? <laughs> this is happening? Oh, I heard Nathaniel, too. He's like, red coat yeah. traitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him, though. He's like, I couldn't help but laugh. I was like, yeah. yeah. He, they are British fucks. But, you know, yeah. they're the best of them. They are. You know, they are. Them, you know, there's a few extra, you know, a few other I can think of that came out of the motherland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, they didn't do half bad with music, but their politics. <laughs> well, you didn't like you didn't like the Putin remark, huh? I don't know much about anything. I don't <laughs> I saw I saw your face drop. You're like, oh No, you had to put that in there. I don't know why they do that. I, I don't know that. either. It was going good. No. And then you gotta throw the politics. It's like, yeah, you know, only Keith Morris really gets to do that shit. Yeah, and even he's the deuce for doing it. You know? I know. It's like, leave sleeping dogs lie. I know, because you never know who the hell's out. You know, it's like, Dude. Yeah, we got, you know, everybody just feels negative on that shit. You know, and well, I think you can tell. It, sometimes you can just say the wrong thing, and it's just the wrong move, and uh, it, it, can, it can just blow the fucking energy out of the room, yeah. Not to mention the KGB could be listening right now. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. But, uh, okay, well, we saw an article. Fucking Beatles. You know what, man? My fucking buffering ass. Fuck! All right. 
Okay. Beatles. Paul, Sir Paul McCartney gets on Google News today or whatever the fucking chart is, media. And says, hey, the Beatles got a final album coming out. It's called Final. <laughs> wow, that's original. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that's big. So who is it? Is it Paul and Ringo only on the thing? George and John are gone, right? Yeah, I mean, as far as we know. I mean, and then they said John Lennon was going to be the AI voice. And Paul McCartney says that will be kind of the, a scary part. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not, I'm not hip with the AI thing. You know, I've got my opinions on that. It's going a little too far, but you know, I am interested in seeing what that's going to be like hearing that creation. You know, I mean, think about it. They haven't recorded anything in 40 years. No, the last show was what seventy nine eighty on top of a fucking rooftop in Chicago. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, because you know. And, when, and, and George died when we were teenagers. Okay. So for... Uh, Lennon died when we were little. Yeah, 1980. Yeah, it's like, wow, we were, you know, barely 11 years old. and Yep. Had, and that was a sad day, you know. I mean, the parents were bawling into their, you know, chicken soup. You can't figure out why. And then you look back and you're like, damn, man, that was like... It was like Colin from GBH dying. I would cry in my spook, <laughs> you know? God forbid. But, you know, that generation's voice, you know? Murdered in cold blood for political reasons, I might add. You guys can go back and listen to the uh, Life After Jeff episode. My Uncle Jeff, who lived out in Clinton, Ohio, actually did roadie for John Lennon. And John Lennon had given him a pair of his glasses. That's pretty cool. And then uh, when I uh, when I came to Hoggard, I had uh, right before that I had been in Ohio, and uh, I fucked up and I stole my uncle's glasses, you know, because I wanted to be cool, and I was like, "Those are so cool, man," you know. So I wanted to just wear them and be like him, you know. And little did you know they were like this historical thing. And of course, I broke them. Yeah. Yep. And my uncle was like, he. That was the only time I ever really saw him. Like, he's like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, I didn't really fucking under, you know, kind of because I'm like, you know, eight, nine. Yeah, I mean, what, you, you know, but you didn't do it on purpose. You know? No, actually, I was way older. I did do it on purpose, and uh, I just wanted to be cool like him, though. And I, that's what I confess on the show. You know, I was like. I thought I was like 13 or 14, though. I was older, and I just wanted to look cool. And I always thought he had this cool-ass style that my 13-year-old awkward ass just couldn't get a grip on, you know? Eventually, we do, and that style leads us into the punk rock like Circle Jerks, GBH, and that shit, Identity. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what this show's about today, Identity. Identity, yeah. I think that's a good... Very good, valid. And uh, I see a lot of people looking for identity in the world. You know, I think, you know, it's sad to see that the identities of so many young women is just devowed to their tits and ass. Well, that's 
We've been since the beginning of time, brother. It's excessive now, though, overall. You know, way more than it, you know. It hasn't been like this over all of time, like this excessive. You know? It once was, and it was called Sodom and Gomorrah, and the shit was fucking burned to the ground. Yeah, for good reason, too. Well, what do you think's going to happen this time? Because it's pretty much relevant. I mean, you know. But we did get a couple good fucking hits on some pedophile fucking scum and some predators this week. Uh, Before we begin the show, we're going to take the advancement to say, fuck you, J.P. Morgan, and your $260 million shell out, which obviously doesn't mean that you're guilty by any means to settle out of court on the $260 million. Yeah, it does. It means you're fucking guilty. Yeah, you're guilty. You knew it. You fucking knew it. You knew it. You knew you were transferring funds to known people that are in that business, and you should all burn the ground, man. Chase Bank, that bank, uh, Bank of America, fuck them. They knew it, man. We got three more punches in the fucking guts of the Predator this week also. Mel Gibson. Well, that's five. Okay, so go ahead, Todd. Tell them. You go ahead. Go ahead. It was like, I, I forget the number of them, but they were not low-level, like, carny operators. They were, like, middle management, like, talent, like uh, dealing with like, shit. Talent scouts and like yeah, people that are actually dealing with Disney went down for uh, child pornography and participating in underage sex and trafficking and paying for that. That's Fucking a burning hell, man. All right, and then uh, we got two more points of interest. Mel Gibson decided to go ahead and release a movie revealing the child predators in Hollywood. And not only did he do that, oh, the interview from that. three weeks ago. Quentin Tarantino said he was going to do the same thing. It's about time the guys that knew it started talking, telling the story. I guess it's all how the information is relayed. And, you know, if Tom Hanks puts another fucking shitty tweet on his fucking show, you'll fuck on his uh, tweet or, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. If he puts out another shitty tweet, you'll fucking know. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something about that guy. That that was a sad, sad shock. Because I had grown to love that man and all his movies. And when I when somebody said, hey, you know, he's, he's he's fucking evil, man. And he does awful shit. And I I did not want to believe that until I started looking into it. And it just broke my head. Yeah, it's fucked up. I really love that guy. And I, wish I didn't was- really love him. I just thought, you know, hey, I, you just don't think that about these kind of actors that present this kind of facade. That's what acting is, right? Yeah, but you know what? You know what movie creeped me out that he made? Polar Express. And I went, okay, this is... He's touching something here, and I'm not sure if he's trying to expose it, or is his way of saying that he's like, all aboard, kiddies, you know, like the leader of the pack. I, uh, it was weird, man. But, you know, the movie's whole premise is stealing children to go to the North Pole to meet Santa. Come on, yeah, you know. Another show. We're definitely going to... We'll come back to a full show where we can talk this. And I don't want to lose too much, but... And then the last point of interest, I can't fucking remember. (laughs) There was another... I know we had another score, though. Let's just put it this way. There's more attention. There's more attention towards... The dilemmas and the pandemic of children being hurt, sexually predatorized, 
and all this other shit, and people are really... That's the real woke movement to me. Wake the fuck up. You want to be woke? Be woke in the spirit. How about that? That's where you need to be woke at, not your flesh. Quit woke in your flesh, dude. It's like stroking your flesh, you know? It's kind of the same graphic kind of bullshit. And you're like jacking off all over people with your fucking wants and needs and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Start caring about these fucking kids. You want an identity? That's fine. But don't force it on people that you have an identity. Earn it. Yeah. You got to earn that shit, motherfucker. You, you know? It. And only, only little rich trustafarian fucking trust fund punks are allowed to fucking come in and they're the upper crest. But people who aren't that shit, don't fucking, don't come at them like a fucking dick, dude. You know, don't be a fucking dick about it. You know, you got a chance, you know, these rich people, they're fucked anyway. Most of them didn't earn what they fucking, they didn't earn that money. Most of them didn't, dude. Let's face it. They didn't fucking earn the money. It came from some fucking bullshit. Well, that's why I always said that the people that are born into it, that never had to work, useless. It's just useless, you know, and they don't attribute anything. They don't. To make anything, they don't do anything. They just breathe there and shit, and just they're just rich. That's their identity. They're rich, and people like Paris Hilton, you know, ugh. yeah, Dude, Kardashians. Oh, flush the toilet, man! I'm so over it. Well, these kids, they don't know nothing about this time period that we're talking about. And in a way, you know, it was right before we were born too, bro. You know. Yeah. Uh, because it was like the end of the 60s when this Beatlemania was a totally fucking thing over this country. It was as strong as fucking any hot ass shit that's out now. Well, and, and it was. And it had, you know, uh, we were talking about Cliff Notes earlier. Tell me yeah, about that pee bucket fucking thing. What was, what was the, the chicks peeing down the fucking... The aisle or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, well, go ahead. Well, there was a... I had read an article years ago about, you know, how you know a lot of money was made back in those days when the Beatles were coming to your arena or your little, you know, your, your theater. You know, at the time, they were playing pretty large places. Um, was, you know, they'd be half a mile wrapped around the block for, you know, teenage girls mostly to get in. And uh, the number one gripe about a Beatles show wasn't the fact that you know, everybody likes to make money. Promoters make plenty of money. The worst job in the whole damn thing of it is the guys who got to clean that shit up at the end. Yeah. Rivers and rivers of piss. They didn't want to leave their seats. You fucking wrecked me today with that fucking thought, man. I was like, holy they shit, I've never thought about that. Teenage girls just pissed themselves to stay there. And they screamed so loud, they had to eventually build them a bigger PA because the, the girls would scream so loud they couldn't hear each other. Do you think that's what's happening at fucking Justin Bieber and shit? I'm not, I think what's happening at Justin Bieber and shit is, is the souls are getting sucked out of those children. They don't even know. They're part of some fucking magic they ain't aware of. It's black magic now. I know it is. I mean, look at every Super Bowl halftime. Come on, what are we doing? If that doesn't look fucking evil to you, then you're stupid. You know, and, pro- 
part of the theory too all the I time. I don't watch it anymore. I don't want to see it because I know that's how you'd be a part of it. Part of the theory that I always grew up with with the Paul McCartney thing was yeah. that it was black magic or some evil reason that they would have brought in a, a double, you know? But over yeah. my own investigation over time and listening to specifically these, uh, these students from uh, Southern Illinois who had done a, uh, a really well-documented thesis about Paul McCartney being dead. Yeah. And just getting every fucking thing. I mean, it's like a three-hour doc, dude. It's in three parts. But the one thing I I came out of, out of that and a few other things was, A, it was a good thing that the M15 who discovered the body of Paul McCartney, first we're going to, we're about to go over the story, you guys, okay, for younger people who haven't heard this before and maybe dig on the Beatles a little or like and uh, like some of the sounds the stories that me and my brother had to experience and I mean had to because they were really forced on everybody <coughs> but it was a morbid kind of thing where hey Paul McCartney is actually dead and Paul is dead, Paul is dead. Yep, and well, how did that happen? And a lot of, I think a lot of people's obvious question is like, how can two people then be as talented as each other? And I'll let you answer that kind of, Todd, because you're musically inclined. And would you, I'll, ask, I'll pose this question to you and I'll let you theorize on it, being okay. the musical professional out of the two of us, because I really am more of a hobbyist on it and you do it for a living I do uh, okay so on my end my question is could you take could you take a look alike with no previous musical talent and turn them into the person that they were supposed to imitate over a three year period does that sound like a feasible amount of time I think it can be done, but I think you would have to be, it's a certain kind of person, you know, there's definitely a, because you, you gotta realize you're copying a level of genius that is naturally given, like, for a young Paul McCartney, because he was absolutely a lyrical, musical fucking genius, and so, you know, likewise, in all their own right, they had it, man, they just did, and they came together, it's like, it's like human battery, you know? Yeah. So when you you have to make a copy of something like that, you have to. It's it's ironic that you could probably find that kind of person in two out of twenty. Yeah. But the odds one to a million that it's going to look exactly like him, or very cl close enough where a different haircut and a different pair of shades might throw people off and. You know, people go, oh, they're getting older, you know, he's aging, you know, they're not teenage kids anymore. Yeah. There's in a skiffle band in London. So it's like, yeah, I get it. They're not the zip-faced little cherubs they were when they came to America. You know, and let's face it, American kids only got to see them on Ed Sullivan. That's true. All right. And the ones that were lucky enough for the handful of shows they did back in their heyday, like Elp. I need somebody help. When they were those kids, that was real, man. Yeah. 
And I understand that Paul had a very nasty car accident and died. That's what I understand, too. In fact, his girlfriend at the time, and I don't, her name escapes me. Rita. And it wasn't his girlfriend. It was a hooker she he picked up. That's right. And she died in the car, too. Yep. And he and it was she was high on some shit. And then she was like, oh, shit, you're Paul McCartney. Yeah. Started waving her fucking hands in his face. And he fucking was like, ah. And he was driving... A Maxwell Silver Hammer. Some people yep. say a moped, but... No, no. He was in a car, it fucking flipped over, and it fell on his head. Yep. It yep. cracked his head in half, man. Yeah, crushed. And they found him dead on arrival, and they kept it hush-hush. The M15, there was someone even writing report already. Yeah, MI5 was already like, we got to keep this fucking under wraps. Yeah. I understand the queen in the, at the time. So they didn't call it in because they knew it was relevant to how Kurt Cobain. Yeah. I always thought the sensation of what would have happened would have been the same as, because look at Kurt Cobain. They didn't hide that shit in a bunch of, a bunch of kids, man, really off themselves, dude. It's true. They did. And I thought the sensation of the Beatles at that time was equivalently as great, you know? Oh, absolutely. I wasn't, you know, there like that, but when I was a little kid, and I remember in the 70s, and my old man, he would just, he was obsessed with uh, the Beatles. And I remember he had like, he would just keep bringing it up, you know, he's dead, he's dead, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm seven or eight years old, dude, I'm watching fucking cartoons and eating sugar cereal, and you're talking about dead Paul, which I just wasn't advanced enough to really, even though you do understand these things when you're a kid, you don't, you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You don't know the magnitude of it, you know, people are doing all the time, you figure that out, you know, but... Um, yeah, you're not stupid, but, you know, you're... Yeah, you don't I, see the magnitude. Like, you're not thinking when you're seven, oh, my God, millions of kids are going to kill themselves. You know, yeah. you're not thinking of that, you know? You're not thinking of the gravity of the situation. So what I think happened was the MI5 called the Beatles promoters at BBC. Mm. And the BBC, and, you know, they're involved with yeah. MI5 and MI6. I mean, they're all part of the Queen's Guard, man. Oh, man. Um, oh, for sure. I know. The Aleister Crowley group. <laughs> yeah. The Black Thirteens. <laughs> Barbara Brooks's father, you know. Um, uh, let's say uh, made the phone call and told what told them what they found. And the BBC was probably like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And they huddled up. And they decided to set out and try to find. Because what I understood, they actually put a ad in a, in a underground magazine in Liverpool for somebody who would look like one of the Beatles. And a bunch of people came to the studio, and it was really amazing because you know a lot of these kids were like dressed up like them, and they looked really good. And this guy came dressed as Ringo, and they were like, "You look more like Paul." And they snatched him out of the crowd. He was a young 23-year-old kid named Billy Shear. And we had heard of him before. There was already a famous Billy Shear in the BBC. He was an orchestra director. 
strangely enough. So there, in itself, was kind of like a, I would feel like an out. You know, I've never heard that version of it. Yeah, an explainable out. I heard a slightly different. Oh, go ahead. I could be completely way off, but this is what I've read. Um, and I'm like, wow. I don't think we. I don't think any of us will ever really fucking know. Like, but I. The one I heard was a lot more simple. It was, uh, you know, they the, the M1 the M15 called the uh, record company instead of the coroner. Right. And uh, and they were like, oh yeah, you made the right move. Oh my God, you saved a bunch of, you know, teenage kids and blah, blah, blah. And millions of pounds. <laughs> yeah, and millions of pounds. Of course, money. It's always a big ass bag of money and weed. Money first. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, fucking, um, this, uh, this idea goes into play. The record producer says, well, the number one Paul McCart, the number one Paul McCartney look-alike is out of Glasgow, and he's won what? the last three years. And they they went there and they were like, "Wow, he's really bigger than the original That's Paul." What I was talking about that was the thing that the big hullabaloo they made because they had a bunch of people dressed up as Beatles, and they found him. Yeah, and it was Glasgow, Scotland. That's right. And um, so they. When you get to this song called A Day in the Life, which I played at the beginning, y'all, and I walked you through it, uh, that, uh, that's, to me, that's the number one giveaway song out of all the Clues songs. You know, I thought maybe, you know, Paul, or John and, uh, John and George Harrison, they, they knew Paul, man. They grew up with him in that. Yeah, they were all best buddies when they were kids. They were all kids. They, you know, and when you get when you go back to the original original root of the Beatles, they would have been punk rock, dude. Absolutely. And they I think more, you know that was you know more mod. You know, they were definitely more mod at that time. Who was but, the original uh, drummer, Todd? Oh. Fuck. Go look it up, y'all. That's where I go when we don't know. I say, go look it up, but that Ringo Starr is not the original drummer, okay? And the original drummer they had, and all those guys would be wearing leather jackets playing in coffee houses. That's how they really looked at first. I don't even think they were called the Beatles at first, were they? Couldn't cross. Is that what his name was? Yeah. I would have been way off. I thought it was Steve or Billy. <laughs> Little Billy Parker down the street, no. Uh, you know, uh, but Cody Cross was the original guy. And if you look at the photos of these guys when they're like kids. Oh, no, Pete Best. Pete Best, that was it. Cody Cross's website, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I was like, Mandela, whatever. No, Pete Best, that sounds right. Pete Best was this original drummer. And, uh, and, uh, he had this, uh, uh, style that he wore a leather jacket and just had this punk rock thing going on, predating the Ramones and all that shit, even. Yeah, he kind of looked like a Ramon, yeah. He very, looks like a Ramon, dude. Very informal, kind of a wrong side of the track look for the time. Yep, it's like right there between Johnny Ramon and Rebel Without a Fucking Clue. Right down to the black and white stripe 
muscle t-shirt. Yeah, it, he just had a style, Pete Best. I thought, you know, underrated. Nobody knew who he was, and he was in the, ironically, in the greatest band in the world at that point. You know, at one point, yeah. the Beatles were the greatest band in the world. And they, you know, that's why they when they went to the Coliseum in England, they get off the plane, and it be, it became a matter of scrutiny when I thought it was John Lennon who said, "Look, everybody showed up here before they went to church on Sunday, and they purposefully showed up on a Sunday just to prove that they were more popular than Jesus." And they printed that, and and, and that's what John Lennon out. said. He's like, "Look, we're more popular than Jesus." Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. We'll be right back. Nothing is real. The Beatles. Yellow Submarine. Photography, landscapes painted with beetle sound. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Fucking acid. <laughs> the yellow submarine. The forces of good. The Beatles. The boob. I must complete my bust. Two novels, finish my blueprints, begin my begin. Hey, Jeremy, must you always talk in rhyme? <laughs> if I spoke prose, you'd all find out. I don't know what I talk about. He's a real man sitting in his land. The forces of evil. Robin, the butterfly stomper. Snapping turtle turks. <laughs> Apple Bonkers, The Terrible Flying Glove, The Arch Villain, The Blue Meanie. You could pass for the originals. Well, we are the original. John, will ya? What's the matter, John, love? Blue meanies? 
Muir and Blue Aminis have been sighted within the vicinity of this theatre. There's only one way to go out. How's that? Singing! One, two, three... We now return. But John, you know, he had an askewed uh, look. And because he made that shitty remark, he ended up with someone like Yoko Ono. So what does that tell you? Plus he got shot in the head. And Yoko was no prize, dude. Like, fuck that annoying bitch. I didn't know her, but I could tell. I was just like, I hated her, dude. Ugh. And John Lennon just showing her off all the time. Like, look, look what I call. And I was like, look what you got. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? And, you, you know, he ended up being a dick, kind of, I thought, in the end. I want everybody to look up the John Lennon um, performance with uh, this famous black guitar player, did the duck walk. Who did that? Yeah. Uh, God, I, of all people. Look it up, guys. No. <laughs> no, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My train of thought was like, something I'd say. But, uh, it was a live television performance with John and he playing and singing, and all of a sudden, in the background, there's Yoko with a mic. Oh, God. And that man's face, actually their two faces, looking at the camera, trying not to be affected. You couldn't. You couldn't give it away how annoyed they were. <laughs> like... What the fuck is that? You know, like, what is going on? Oh, smile. Still playing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Chuck Berry. There's Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry side-eyed John and John looked back and they were both just fucking mortified. She's back there hollering and yelling louder than, oh, it's just awful. Like, who gave her a microphone? Yeah, what is this? Yeah. What is this? Ozzy. <laughs> no. He's like, I, I met Yoko once and I, and I fucking fainted. No. Um, <laughs> I just thought she was bad news. And she didn't really have... She kind of like fucking fucked up whatever was going on to begin with, you know? She was definitely the nail in the coffin. She was one of them. And I thought the other one was Catcher in the Rye again, man. Because what was the killer's name? You guys can go look that up, too. John Lennon was assassinated at his New York penthouse in 1980. The book is J.D. Salinger, and the uh, young man who murdered Lennon is uh, Mark Chapman. Mark Chapman. What was he reading? Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. Again, catcher in the run. I think he was put up by the CIA. I think I think we've been watching mass shootings and murders happen for a while that aren't so just happenstance. I have a feeling there was some NK Ultra involved in that, and I always I often thought, you know, if that is a real phenomenon and our government really does that, and I think they do, they have a hand in. Um, they put these crazy people already. They're already crazy. Psyop, Phil. 
store and get them to do this kind of thing. Hey, check this out, man. Have you ever heard this one, dude, that on the Sergeant Peppers, that's the one with the collage, right? Yeah. And it's got Edgar Allan Poe and Winston Churchill, May mm -hmm. West, uh, and like 103 other motherfuckers. Oh, Plus yeah. the original Beatles with the original Paul McCartney. And they do that on purpose. Yeah. And they're at they're all at a graveyard. Yeah, and if you turn it upside down and look in the flowers, it says Paul and the Rolling Stones are on there, and there's like, it says Rolling Stone, it's like this bloody doll in the corner. Yeah. And that's Brian Jones or something? Yeah. Brian that was, Jones. Oh, man, that's he fucked was, up, dude. He was a full member of that band, and then he died. Yeah. It, okay, so here's what I heard, that everybody knows all these little things about it, but if you look at it another way... It's a treasure map. Yeah. And it's it it has a directional compass that tells you what the flow is, followed by it's like a connect the numbers fucking thing. I've seen the thing. I'm gonna probably put it up on the uh if I can find it, I'll put it up on the thumbnail of the show, you know. But uh I always thought, hey, what it because I always thought that was a weird one. And I thought the other one was weird was the conspiracy that they might have been a band called Clatu for a moment. Clatu? Clatu, yeah. And they would have put out a song called Calling Occupants. Uh, call occupants. Hey, I, what size occupants do you wear, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. And then yeah. later on. And people thought, hey, it's the Beatles, right? Playing under a fucking pseudonym. Could have been. Uh, and I did it on a show. If you go back to Great Alien or the Super Alien Reveal episode, way back in season four, y'all, uh, six seasons ago, uh, you'll or probably eight seasons by now, uh, but you'll see that uh, that you know you'll hear it. I drop it in there, you know, about the Carpenters disappearing after or before they wrote that before they covered the song they were they were MIA for a year and they keep that part out of the media man and uh, what I had heard at that time was they randomly Karen and uh, Richard showed up at what CBS studios they suddenly uh, appeared next to TV sensation Skip Stevenson Remember Skip Stevenson? Skip, we love him. Real people? Yeah, real people, that's right. Uh, Skip <laughs> But uh, no, man, you know, and then they were like, oh, we got to cover that song. I thought the Beatles were so esoteric, and because of what they were doing and their involvement. I think they were smarter than everybody gave them credit Really are, man. Like alien shit. The first, the first troll before you knew you were being trolled. Yeah, they were, right? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, there are that that generation's Rick Astley. Never gonna give you up, you know? 
Yeah, even Rick rolled. On this show by your brother. <laughs> I know, you fucking dick. During the show. <laughs> yeah. You'll never do it again. Why say it again? El Presidente says, Wrong, wrong, senor. Anyway, my dad and Todd's dad are not the same dads. Okay, do we'll just clear this up on the fucking radio. You can go back and hear Adam Air, Adam Air MD, GED has a fucking brother. That's a great episode. And that's us reuniting after 10 years, man. Yep. And, you know, family will always be back together if it's based off truth and love. That's right. And, uh, you know, you can listen to that episode, and that's really what that one's about. In this particular case, uh, you know, um, we grew up in rock and roll. And my dad and his dad were two different dads. My dad was a fucking guitarist and a bassist. And he was decent, and he sang... Uh, and I'll tell a story after uh, we get done with this segment about uh, my involvement with the Beatles that's on a darker end on a personal end that I don't want to talk about right now Uh, but um, that will come up Uh, but uh, as far as like my dad's sensationalism with Paul McCartney being dead uh it was just, uh, I thought it was a level of insanity that the media, as a PSYOP, you know, kind of planted on people to build up the registration uh, that they could sell more records through a mystique and stay on the map. And I think they might have done it as a secondary kind of cause when you look at it. Knowing that, hey, if anybody ever found out, you know, at least we were saying it. Uh, but, uh, or if it got exposed in a way that everybody, nobody could, it was irrefutable. We could always be like, well, yeah. <laughs> They'd have to tell the truth at that point, right? But, well, on the other side of the coin, I read recently that um, there was a woman that knew Paul back in school. And when he visited someplace in England where she lived, they had lunch. And she reports that he knew things that only Paul would know. And I'm like, wow. Like, she, yeah. Like maybe there was an intimacy, you know, when they were young and, and they knew each other biblically. And really, Shears might not know that or know her. And it's kind of like, hmm. There are some things that try to debunk this whole thing. You know, I, I never want to go off the cliff and be like, oh, I'm sold that it's a big conspiracy. I always look and find, is there anything out there that can really debunk this? Because, and I only found that one article about this woman that knows him, and she was like, I'm just here to put this whole conspiracy to rest. That when I meet him, for, when I met him for lunch, that man that I met only knew things that that young man and I would have known at the time. And there's no way that a doppelganger, you know, look-alike copy of this guy could know. But you know, anybody in the world could have worked that. Anybody in the world could have made this up. So I always say, you know, do your do your best uh, 
Google that husband and you know do your own do your research on it. But you, I found that, and I wanted to make sure that we knew that. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know her credibility. I don't know her from anyway. So, uh, well, and here's the song that I analyzed at the beginning of the show. Found on Sgt. Pepper's, but I'll tell you this: that um, I don't think it was. When I look at it as an older person who had my dad out, he had fucking X-rays of the guy's teeth. Like, where do you get this shit? You know, and they they are different. And he's like, and look at his shoe. And then you know, thirty years later, I get here somebody look at his shoes. And, you know, Paul McCartney, the original guy, was a small dude. And that chick went and collected a fucking nice little check after she released that thing. It's like, what's her credibility? Oh, let me tell you, I, I'm some fucking no-name bitch who fucking has no, no credibility. It's like, you know, shut the fuck up, you patsy. You know, and then putting that AI crap out now, that just pushes it further. He's just fulfilling his obligated contract. He made it he made a deal that he would be Paul McCartney till his dying day. Well yeah, and the name and the likeness and thereof property of Apple Core Records from now until the end of time. And now that they're in the twenty first century, Apple's re ascertained the rights to the Beatles songs that Michael Jackson technically bought and they had to kind of buy it back well that's the thing uh, they never never could completely buy it back in fact Paul talk, talks about that um, he said you know we were friends and when he came into a lot of money young Michael Jackson he had made the joke one time while we were together. I just buy the whole Beatles catalog. Ha 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 ha. And he did. And and Paul was like, "Bro, what are you doing, man? You can't just do that." Well, I did, and I own it all. And then she said, and he says, "For years, I've been like, dude, sell that back." Oh no, he wouldn't do it. He would not let go of it. And I'm like, how fucked up? I mean, you want to love Michael Jackson, you know, despite what we think he may or may not have been. But at the time, that wasn't on the plate. Why would that get guy do that? You know, it's like, what was your motivation behind that? I thought it was because all the money they made off of Ebony and Ivory. That's what I thought. You know, it was like, hey, well, and then I thought Paul was like, yeah, you can have some of the songs. Sure. You already bought the Elephant Man Caucus. Yeah, he did. You bought the fucking, uh, some weird ass shit. And an amusement park. (laughs) You bought Bubbles the monkey. Yeah, you bought Bubbles? (laughs) Why not? You got Bubbles. You can have it. You know, go ahead. And And he did. He did. fall off. Yeah, he didn't really think he would do it. No, it was kind of a joke. It was a joke. And then Michael Jackson actually bought the songs, the Beatles property, dude. And I say this. Save for what Michael Jackson's motivation may have been to do that. Fuck the fucking publisher that sold. Fuck them. Because that tells you right there, that legacy never meant anything more to them than millions of pounds. Yeah. You know, I would have been way more protective over that archive. If I'd have owned that, you couldn't buy that from me for love and money. Not forever and ever. You know, I, if I owned all that, 
and somebody like Michael Jackson came along. I knew I could get triple rich right now, right now, in 90 seconds, be triple the rich I am. I'll look over the table and be like, there's no way I'm selling you the Beatles catalog. Ever. Like, that's never happening. This record company owns it. Yep. And that should have been protected like they would have protected the Queen's panties. You know what I mean? And fuck the fucking asshole lawyers that decided to go ahead with it. That's me just showed. You really didn't care. Yeah, it's really weird, you know? That's how I felt. Like, they would be super protected, you know? The moral crux of it is some fuck wanted Michael Jackson's money more than the prestige of owning that and preserving that. Fuck that guy. I hope he steps on a Lego. What <laughs> a mildly inconvenienced ever. <laughs> oh, man. We you know. I'm not toilet paper once a week in a shit house in the middle of a mall. <laughs> Just anything, you know. Fuck. It is weird. Nope. The whole history on the Beatles and like how they left us with music. And in the, honestly, man, I don't give a fuck about a bunch of fucking Beatles, man. I think well, there's probably know. like about six songs that give me a, a fuzzy feeling I can deal with. Yeah. Blackbird's one of them, Revolution, Helter Skelter. Uh, maybe USSR sometimes, but not really. When the beat boy sees, I didn't get asleep last night. We used to play that in Rookie 99. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite song by the Beatles, I think, is Help. And I think the other favorite of mine would be uh, the title of it escapes me. It's on number nine. Number nine. It's on the White Album. Oh, uh, that's Abbey Road, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of the song. I'm I thought Number Nine and Blackbird are on the same album, right? Is that Abbey Road? I thought they were on the or White, White album. album. The White Album is so yeah, it's one of the like yeah, you're right. Moments into their psychedelics. Like, you know, close your eyes and float downstream. That's on Sgt. Pepper's, I think. And as a little kid, my favorite Beatles song was Yellow Submarine, probably still is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nonsense fairy tale about a band lives in a yellow submarine. I thought that was freaking great. Like, nobody was singing songs like that. And my mother loved it, and she shared all that. I still have all Mom's Beatles records here. Man. I've got the original Rubber Soul. <laughs> that is cool, man. You know, I've got... Love me, dude. Please, please me. And I got help. I got seven inches. Back then, they were called Pussy Frogs. Uh, of some of their hits. And I, I just kept them. You know, I don't play them. I just, I just kept them for posterity. You know, I don't know if they sound that great. They're probably over yet. Hey, man. Let me ask you a question, dude. Uh, why do you think the Beatles have that, that first album with uh, them with a bunch of dead babies and shit dumping all over them. Well, they changed that. What do you mean they changed it? Well, that never. They, they, the ones that were issued are like rare as fuck. 
Why did they do that, though? The record label made them change that. Um, I, you know, I don't know, and that's... That's the weirdest part of the Beatles to me. Because I always... That's the only part that doesn't make eight. Why do you got a cover with gory dead babies stumping them? And they're baby dolls with blood all over them and cow intestines fucking falling all over these guys. I shit you not. That's what it is on a white cover. You remember that? Yeah. Why is that? What was up with that one, dude? I always thought that scared the shit out of me, too, when I was a kid. I don't know why. I was like, what? Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Uh... Are you looking it up there? Yeah, it's uh, Yesterday and Today is the album. That's right. It's known as the Butcher Cover. The Butcher Cover. Yep. And Man, motherfucker, that thing's gory as fuck. Yeah, they got like baby doll bloody parts all over them. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They're all in lab coats. Yeah, and lab then, coats. Yeah, and uh, at the end, they changed it, and now they're sitting on an old road trunk. Bullshit. Yeah, I'm at it. Yeah, uh, that ain't even close. Apple Records was like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, but they, why did they put it out anyway? Well, let's see, let's see. There's gotta be... I want to know about that cover, motherfucker. I'm telling you, that I should have looked that up. But that thing just intrigues me, dude. Yeah, banned in 1966 by Cap. <laughs> we were like, no, we're not. Yep, baby dolls and pieces of raw meat. Let's see. If you have one, they're worth twelve thousand fucking dollars. Up. Ooh, fuck! I had one. <laughs> and they think there's fifty thousand of those butcher LP covers buried in Needham, England. Oh. They printed a bunch, and they were like, "No, we got to get rid of these things." What the fuck, dude? What the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, Beatles, Beatles signed Butcher Cover LP sells for quarter million dollars at auction. Jesus. <laughs> that, that's the ultimate treasure trove is that record with their signatures on it. What? Yo, the Butcher Cover of the Beatles. I'm glad I asked about it. Yeah, there it is. Oh. It still makes me wonder what their motive was, though, to put that cover out to begin with. It's like, it's like such uh, clean at the time. They're still in their clean phase, you know? You think uh, that was like them pulling that monkeys move? Kind of like how the monkeys were with Jack Nicholson. Or, we want to break out of the Hollywood mold, you know? Yeah, maybe. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Because they weren't that popular yet. They weren't popular like that until they fucking... Until really William Campbell Shears came along. Because, you know, it had the pop beat that was on Ed Sullivan. And like you said, that was the PPIL phase. But I think, you know, them disappearing for three years. And that's how long it took. You put the you got to put that timeline in, in, in man. I mean... You got to train Billy to be Paul. Yep, and I think that that woman who you were quoting on earlier... Oh, I'd like to put this to rest. It's like, who are you again? Yeah, she's probably a plant to throw you off. Oh, yeah, man. False false flagger. I couldn't find any other thing, and I looked. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that a little conspicuous? 
it's instantly conspicuous to me, and that's why I well, brought I, it up. I thought that's what was the genius move. Yeah, the only thing I could find in all my searches is that one article. I thought, what? Because you got to picture it like this. John Lennon was like, I'm going to reveal it. And the, and the record company was like, go ahead. You know what? It's just going to make more sales. And... Well, you nailed it earlier, the mystique of it. Yeah, and I think he's like, people are going to put it together. He's like, I'm going to keep putting it on there, too. And William Campbell Shears just probably felt awful and felt like, wow. And knew, and I think, you know, because I was talking to God about William Campbell Shears, and he goes, no, he was a good dude. He didn't want anybody to get hurt. And uh, when the record company fucking talked to him, he instantly thought about the kids and I think that's what he that's why he never gave up and it comes off one way like he might be this you know uh, almost arrogant kind of guy but you gotta imagine if this all is true and that is a totally different dude you wouldn't be able to shake some level of arrogance off either and uh, no matter how long you had to imitate somebody yeah, I mean, well, Paul was an arrogant little bastard anyway. So. Yeah, I thought he was kind of, maybe they were cocky to begin with. And, uh, you know, when uh, these, someone asked uh, David Bowie, you know, hey, you know, like, what do you think about the Beatles? And he, and he puts his hand on his head and he goes, in what regard? And that's, you know, if he actually was a fan of the music, he would have been like, oh, the fucking fantastic. Yeah. But he instead he he goes in what regard? Well, you know, people like John Lennon knew this shit. They all knew that wasn't him, and they they would they were able to claim plausible deniability. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, and they were able to move away from it. And be like, I didn't know them, and they'll make sure in every interview if you watch it too, and kind of keep that detective helmet on. You'll see it. They're, he, All of them, they're like, well, I didn't really know him. I didn't yeah. know him like I knew Mick from, you know, Rolling Stone. And that, you know, they're fucking lying, man. You fucking knew who the fuck he was. And you guys have known this shit. And they kept the secret the whole time. You know? And it just became this thing that they had to fucking keep. Yeah. That's what I always thought. It just, after you put that shit... So, dirty little secret they had to keep. It was a dirty secret, and Lennon was so adamant about revealing it. Yeah. And you know, he finally does say it. Yeah. But he doesn't say it until he's solo, and until the Beatles have disbanded. He goes, "In case you didn't fucking get it, I've been trying to tell you the whole time, y'all. That ain't Paul." That's right. That's right. And then again, don't get me started on what a shit bag I thought Jen and John Lennon turned out to be. Ugh. I, uh, well, you know, without being too negative. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, that he attracted that kind of energy. And, uh, and I think he became jaded uh, because of the situation he was in. And if you look at it, Imagine you... I can't even imagine being in that situation, bro. You're right, yeah. I guess that has to do something to somebody. And, a, and being a kid. Because yeah. that's when it would have happened. When they were... Well, you know, 26, 27. That's still... That's fucking young, dude. 
Yeah, especially when you're the Beatles and your career's just taking off. And you know, where where do where do we go now? I I I. Well, I'll tell you where we're gonna go. We're gonna get the fuck off this show. You cool, bro? Yeah, man. It was a good one. I'm glad we got to do it. Me too, man. I love you. Don't pull that lever. (laughs) (laughs) The lever's been pulled. All right, I got to go, y'all. I love you, bro. Hold the line. All right, I love you, too. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be right back, dude. Who were the Ruttle? I don't know. People were proud in double black Papers were loud, but ever so proudly. People would shout, joking about the smoke and the soot, smoke and the soot. I'm sorry, I don't know. Uh, is it really the Russells? <laughs> it might be somebody else. Out, don't you let me out. You don't let me out. Out, out, out. We are getting wet in a shower because basically we talked it over chastity of myself. And we came to the conclusion that uh, civilization was nothing more than an effective sewage system. back together again? I don't know. Who are the Ruttles? We now return. Well, I guess I was going to go ahead and tell you this little part. When I was a kid, my mom and my dad, my real mom, you know, they were in this AM rock band or whatever, this light rock band. My dad was obsessed with the Beatles, though, man. And uh, there was a lot of music in my family, especially on my mom's side. But there was always this, like, rock and roll fucking current going through my house, and my dad was definitely in tune with something that was way deeper than the usual sounds and shit that was going on. And I know he liked some good sound. Without a doubt, the guy had taste in music. 
and as like you know, <laughs> someone who had to live with him, he would just force this rock and roll on me, man. He just like was a, under the impression that as a little kid, I was gonna be able to magically pick up a fucking guitar and do this shit or whatever. I don't know. He's really obsessed with the Beatles. And he'd just make these mixtapes all the time. I remember, like, him and my mom just kind of, like, would take it for granted that I would just sing these Beatles songs because I had this really beautiful child voice that was able to sing. I hated it. Number nine. I felt forced into something that I really didn't want to be a part of. And I thought the Beatles kind of scared me, dude. The track I'm playing right now is actually a track off the Beatles. Uh, it's called Revolution 9, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> Very strange shit. I remember my dad, the first time he started coming at me with this fucking Paul McCartney is dead shit. And, uh... I just, I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. And he's like, you know, Paul McCartney's dead. And I was a little kid, and I just thought... It was really getting on my nerves. Nine. Number nine. I hated it. <laughs> Eventually. My mom had a series of mental attacks. And she had a series of mental breakdowns when I was a kid, my real mom, before Grandma Gutterpunk fucking adopted me. And it was just this dark-ass time. Stuff I don't really want to talk about, launch into, things that would cause CPTSD. But the Beatles seemed to have some kind of soundtrack behind it. My dad would always just bring the Beatles in somehow. Eventually, after he kept talking about it, and he showed me these x-rays of his teeth, and I'd be like, where the fuck did you get that? Oh, I had a friend. <laughs> Some shit, I don't know. Who cares? One time I uh, did inherit a store front in Colorado. And it did have all these rare-ass photos of the Beatles in there, but my ex stole them. Pretty sure they probably were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, though. Who knows what happened to them. Prove your authenticity. I guess that's what the whole point of this episode is. But I really felt forced with the whole thing. I felt kind of disturbed that uh, 
I would just keep getting bombed by my dad randomly. And when he came at me, he'd come at me with like some kind of wild energy about it. Kind of weird. I think they knew. I think they knew he was dead. And it was just something that they had to deal with. Fortunately, the record company had an ace in the hole because no one would ever believe that Paul McCartney was dead. And, uh, you could train somebody out in three years to do this thing just because they looked like somebody, right? What's this weird-ass conspiracy? And then who puts out the rumor? Who's gaslighting it to begin with, you know? My dad had this Maxwell fucking cassette tape. You could get it at Kmart. Three of these fucking cassette tapes, you know, for a buck. And he just record all these random fucking Beatles songs off the radio. That's how we did it back then. We waited for the song to come on the radio and then we recorded it. And he had this fucking one mixtape. And when my mom was locked, my real mom was locked up in a mental ward back in the day, you know. We had to take these long ass drives out into the country. No little kids need to see their mom being fried off fucking electroshock therapy and the resolve of it. But on the way out there, there's long ass drives, Beatles. Take this, brother. May it serve you well. Beatles tapes on the way out, Beatles tapes on the way back. I thought they were fucking weird. Never knew what the big sensation was around them. I know they did go to India. And then they ended up denouncing Buddhism while they were there. That was something that happened. In the end, I just thought they were fucking weird-ass motherfuckers. My parents tried to make me sing Beatles songs all the time to a point that I fucking hated them. So me to do this episode right now, it is slightly irritating, <laughs> but it's a history lesson too, you know? To show that music can affect people on great levels way before the music that was affecting people now. It was affecting people on great levels the whole time it's been around. And the things that we would create, you know? You become naked. <laughs> Wherever it's, you know, that's our name on it. In the case of the Beatles, you know, is it really Paul McCartney's name on it? Or was it John Lennon just throwing a big rant? <laughs> We'll never know, man. Let's close this fucker up. Alright, I hope you guys had this fucking learning experience tonight about the fucking Fab Four. Where are we going, fellas? To the top. I'll tell you what, I'll never do a fucking Beatles fucking episode again, but, uh, you know, it was worth tackling one thing.
Is the motherfucker dead? What's my professional opinion? Yeah, he's fucking dead. Do I look like Quincy? Jack Klugman? Not fucking really. Go fuck yourself. Alright, hey. Call 206-666-5847. You can call me and my mom at the show. Time travel. All this other shit. You can call us. PTSD. If you're on to drugs or whatever, you talk to my mom. She'll talk to you. Walk you through it. 206-666-5847. Kick down my mom a couple bucks. Via Zell. Z-E-L-L-E. And tune in. Because uh, we got more shows coming up. The next episode is uh, Exorcism with a Cat. Something like that. And keep tuned in to Adam RMD GED Underground Part 2 Therapy. You've been listening to Adam RMD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Thank you, gentlemen.